Good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's such a pleasure to be here this morning after staring at the same four walls for two weeks. Um, it is great to see familiar faces and to be here in person. And for those of you online, I'm glad you're watching today. Um, quick things. If you have any updated information, personal information, like your address, phone number, email, um, please feel free to write it down and give it to me. Um, we use that to keep in communication, you know, send nice uh, cards for your birthday or, you know, other things as well. Uh, so if you have any updated information, please just write it on a piece of paper uh, and give it to me. I work in the front office. I can definitely put that in a safe spot. And so we have that. We'll give, we can give you a call if anything, you know. Um, I know we had closed down the church. We were doing online services. Um, and I want to make sure that everyone gets that information that, you know, for stuff like that, like our church is not going to be open for certain days, all right? Um, again, please, 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 any updated information, even those of you online, um, if you have me on Facebook, please just send me your information so we have that updated. Um, I'm going to pass it along to Pastor Charlie again. It's such a pleasure. Um, hopefully we kick up that energy. We're here for God. Let's praise him. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Strano. Well, I'd like to add my welcome to Pastor Serena's welcome to being here. If you're online, welcome to our online congregation also. Um, as you know, uh, this is the day the Lord has made, and we will do what? And be glad in it. Rejoice and be glad in it. So we got our PowerPoint up. There you go. All right. Crossroads, can we stand today? And we're going to make our declaration. This is not a declaration over our Sunday. This is a declaration over our lives. And this is a declaration over everything that we're doing. We're trusting in the Lord. We're seeking his face first. But we're also letting him be, let it be known to him where we stand. So join me today in our faith statement. We are sword drawn word-ready, purpose-filled, we will not be denied, and in Jesus' name, we will do everything, not somehow, but triumphantly. Hallelujah. Church, I don't want this statement to become so familiar to us that it means nothing or that it means something that we just do on Sundays when we get here. We've probably memorized it. You've been here long enough. You probably could do it in your sleep. But you know what? I want to break it down for you again today. We are sword drawn. What does that mean we're sword drawn? Why do you draw your sword? You're preparing for battle. You're not standing there just to be knocked out. You got your sword out. You're ready to fight. And with us being sword drawn, we're what? We are word ready. Church, I hope that you're in the word. Because if you're not in the Word and you're not studying the Word or reading or listening to the Word, you're not going to be Word ready. So we're making a statement. We are Word ready. And you know what? Every single person in here is purpose-filled. God has given every one of you a purpose. You have a purpose to fulfill for Jesus Christ. 
So we're making a statement. We are purpose-filled. And you know what? When we go into a battle, we don't go into battle going, well, maybe I'll win. I'm not really sure. Okay, I'm just going to stand. No, we are going to go in with the intention that we will not be denied. Church, can you get behind that? We will not be denied. When Christ is for us, who can be against us? So when we go into battle, we're not going to be denied. And we're going to do everything in Jesus' name. We are not going to do anything outside of the will of God. Well, how do I know the will of God? I'm in the Word. I'm praying. I'm seeking His will for me. And everything that I will do, I will do in His name. And I'm not going to do it just so-and-so. I'm not going to do it halfway. I had this... When I start a project at home, if it's something, especially if it's manual labor kind of thing, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to do this, and I'm all excited. I get all my stuff together. You know what? I get into it, and I go, I really don't want to do this anymore. And usually it's half done, and I have to force myself to complete it. That's not how we work in the kingdom of God. We're going to do everything. Not somehow, not possibly, not maybe. We're going to do everything triumphantly. Do you understand, church, how important and powerful this statement is over your life? So let's say it again. We are, let's say I am, I am sword drawn, word ready, purpose filled. I will not be denied. And in Jesus' name, I will do everything, not somehow, but triumphantly. Hallelujah. And church, if you're facing something today, if you're facing a situation, you declare this statement over it. You declare this statement over it. And you know what? We also have the ability to declare a statement over our finances because you know what? Everything that you've been given, whether you work at a job, whether you receive a pension, whether you receive retirement or whatever, however you receive your funds, that's a gift from God. Only by the favor and the grace of God do you have what you're given. And do you understand? We may think to ourselves, oh, this is just not enough. God is still blessing you with all that you need. Maybe not all that you want, but all that you need. So let's say this statement over today's offering. As we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decrease, blessing and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen, church.
know, church, today, we come before the Lord for a purpose. And we're using that purpose that we are created for. And that is to praise the Lord. So as we begin our praise and worship, I will ask you to prepare your hearts and minds. Because you know what? We don't serve a so-so God. We don't serve a God who just gives us just enough. We don't serve a God who possibly can. If there's one thing I know is we serve a God who can. And not only can he, but he will. So let's join me today in worship as we sing How Great Is Our God. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Splendor of a King.
it all. Hallelujah. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory.
for ourselves. We give you all the glory for you and you alone are worthy, God. Hallelujah. Church, let just pray today. Pray. Tell him how worthy he is to you, Lord. Hallelujah. You are worthy, God. So worthy, Lord. In your word, we see the saints and them casting their crowns down at your feet, Father. You and you alone are worthy, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give him a praise offering, church. Praise him because he is the worthy Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Lord God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for being in our presence. We thank you for those who decided to come out today to be a part of this gathering of the brethren. Lord God, we thank you for who you are, Lord, that even though we're, we're a ragtag team, a motley crew today of like 25% of our congregation, I pray that we would be focused on you, that we would not allow numbers to dictate our focus, that we would not allow numbers to dictate our momentum, that we would be a church that is truly pleasing to you. Lord God, right now, I just pray that everything I say would be from you, that everything I do would be from you, Holy Spirit. I just pray you would be speaking through me, that you would be flowing out of me in this time, Lord God, that our focus would be completely and solely on your word, completely and solely on who you are, completely and solely on your personhood, on your, on your sovereign hand, that we would focus, that you are guiding us, you are leading us, that you are preparing the way for us, Lord God. In your mighty name I pray, amen. As y'all know, there's no children's church today, no nursery today. We're going to give a couple more weeks. I personally like having the little ones in here sometimes. Like, I, I personally like seeing the little faces. I like seeing families in the church. I enjoy having the little ones with us. But also, church, I want to give us a warning that, as you know, before we had to, to go into our remote services for two weeks, we had some momentum building up, and services were booming and exciting. Now, hey, I know Michelle isn't here, but for those of you who don't know, my little nephew Levi was born 
So my aunt is with my mom in Pennsylvania. That's why. Thank you, Pastor Charlie. Y'all, you don't understand. They, they stepped in last minute. We had, we had a plan set, but this was really last minute because we didn't know if Levi was going to be born this weekend or next weekend or whatever. So thank you, Pastor Charlie and the praise team for being flexible. Amen. So praise God for that. Um, but listen, church, we've been building momentum. We've been growing some, building momentum. And it's easy to let momentum die. Listen, who, how many of us watch college football? How many of us like sports? How many of us played sports? You know, momentum is everything, right? You build up momentum. Listen, you can be down 21 to 0. You score a touchdown. You get some momentum. You can ride on that, and it can completely change the situation. So church, let's not let the momentum die. Let's continue to meet together when we can. Let's continue to be safe, but meet together. It's good to see you guys. I haven't seen y'all in two weeks. It felt weird. It feels weird. Got to get used to this preaching thing. I feel like, again, getting in front of you guys. But I'm excited to be with you guys today. And as we're going into a new season, thank you, Miss Rhonda. Thank you. As we're going into a new season and we're seeking the Lord for what's next for Crossroads, right? Because we focus on the battle plan for what? 14 weeks almost. We focus on our battle plan for preparing. Well, I feel like we've got a solid foundation to start moving forward into what's next. And listen, whether you believe in a pre-trib rapture, a mid-trib, or a post-trib rapture, what's important is we believe in a second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen? We believe that our king is coming again for his people, that we would be fully restored unto him, that he will make all things new. He will restore the earth. We will reign as kings and priests with him forever in the new heavens and the new earth when it becomes the new Jerusalem. Amen? We believe that. We love that. Well, we've been saying for years, right, Jesus is coming back, which is true. Jesus is coming back and is the days go forward. Jesus is obviously coming back closer and closer. Well, I believe that more than ever, the day and age we live in is more of the signs of the times from Scripture than we have ever seen before. Okay? So I was praying, Jesus, how can we truly be pleasing to you? Jesus, how can Crossroads truly be a pleasing church? What can we do to make ourselves that, that unblemished, spotless, glorious, beautiful bride? How can we prepare ourselves for your coming, whether it's tomorrow, 10 years, 100 years, how can we be pleasing in the sight of our king and the bridegroom? And the Holy Spirit laid it heavy on my heart. How much more pleasing can we be to Jesus than to study his commands and live according to his commands? Jesus said, if you love me, you will what? You will live by my commands. You will follow my commands. You will study my commands. You will put my commands into practice. So today we're, we are entering into a season of going through the teachings of Jesus. And you may say, Pastor Josiah, I've heard that before. Great. I, I, pray, I pray you have read the Beatitudes before. I pray this is not your first time ever reading the Beatitudes. If, you, if it was, I pray you were a very new Christian. Okay? So we're going to be going through the Beatitudes today. We are starting with the very first public teaching we have recorded of Jesus Christ before the Sermon on the Mount. How much more pleasing can we be to Jesus than to study what he said? And then put it into practice. So I'm excited because I believe that as the day is drawing near. Now listen, y'all, I'm not saying Jesus is coming tomorrow, which if he did, I pray we're ready. But what's important is that we are ready. Amen? And not only are we ready for his coming, we are pleasing when he comes. Yes. We're pleasing beautiful bride for when he comes. So like I said, whether you believe in a pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation rapture, it does not matter. What matters is that we believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ for his bride. Amen? So we're, we're going we're to enter in today. All right, we're going to the Beatitudes. What's happened up to this point is we have, right, we have the Christmas story. The beginning, right, Jesus is born, has the story of Jesus, what happened. And then he is baptized, 
right? He's baptized by John the Baptist. He's the dove descend. The Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus. Jesus is then tempted in Matthew chapter 4. So Jesus passed the trial of temptation. He's shown himself worthy, perfected as the Messiah. And then he goes into his public ministry. So what's happening up before this point? Jesus is healing and teaching, casting out demons. So Jesus, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. His following has been, become huge. There are many people following him. So if you would please stand with me for the reading of the word this morning. As we open up, we're going to read through and then we're going to discuss and go through the passage. All right, so this is Matthew, obviously. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And seeing the multitude, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For, though, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Thank you. You guys can be seated. So this is Jesus' first public teaching. As, and as it was custom that day, the teacher would sit and then the disciples would come and sit with him. So we're opening up to this. So what, what, what is a beatitude? What does a beatitude mean? The word beatitude comes from the Latin beatitudo, which means blessedness. The phrase blessed are in each beatitude implies a current state of happiness or well-being. All right, So this, this blessedness is a current state. If you follow according to these things, if your heart is in this condition, this proper way of receiving, there is a current happiness and well-being. This expression held a powerful meaning, listen, of divine joy and perfect happiness. So what is Jesus saying? If you live according to this... You will have divine joy and perfect happiness to the people of Christ's day. In other words, Jesus was saying divinely happy and fortunate are those who possess these inward qualities. While speaking of a current blessedness, each pronouncement also promised a future reward. So these Beatitudes, what are they saying? They're saying Jesus is saying if you follow them now, you will be blessed in this life. But not only will you be blessed in this current situation you were living in as a human being, having life in your body, not only will you be blessed here, but if you live according to this, you will then be blessed in the life to come. Does that make sense? It's divine, divinely happy and fortunate are those who possess these inward qualities. Listen, you don't got to write all this. You can just write the highlighted parts. I try to make it easy for you. Okay, listen, this, this is not class. I'm not testing you later, all right? Write down what the Holy Spirit leads you to do, but that's why I highlighted key parts. So moving on now, y'all, I know some of y'all get worried. You're like, Pastor, I didn't write it all down. Listen, I love that some of y'all are diligent note takers, but it's okay if you miss it, all right? Let's, let, let's stay, let's flow together. All right, there's eight total Beatitudes, all right? So Jesus is laying the foundation for the rest of his iconic, the Sermon on the Mount, all right? His first public recorded teaching that we have is the iconic teaching it's two and a half chapters long where he's really laying out what is this new humanity going to look like? What, what, what is the ideal heart of a citizen of heaven? Each beatitude depicts the ideal heart condition of a citizen of God's kingdom. 
In this idyllic state, the believer experiences abundant spiritual blessings. All right, so what, what are these eight Beatitudes? The, the ideal heart condition, what does your heart look like? We are, obviously, we're speaking spiritually. What does your heart look like, right? So Jesus is dealing, y'all, every one of Jesus' teachings is dealing with the heart. What is your heart condition? Where do you stand spiritually? Are, are you spiritually mature? Are you spiritually strong? So he is examining the heart. The Beatitudes are often called the supreme blessing in his teachings. Why? Because you have, you're blessed here and you're blessed in the next. Okay, so these blessings follow you from life into the next life. So the, this is the supreme blessing in his teachings, all right? The ideal heart condition of a citizen of God's kingdom. Open up with the first Beatitude. Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Paraphrase, blessed are those who humbly recognize their need for God, for they will enter into his kingdom. So what is the first heart condition, right? The condition of the heart. What's number one for a citizen of the kingdom of God? Devoid of spiritual arrogance. So no matter how many times we hear the gospel, we don't get exasperated by it. No matter how many times we hear the Beatitudes, we don't think we've heard enough of it. We do not come with the posture of our heart of thinking we already know everything. Does that make sense? We come ready to receive what the Lord has for us. Because while you may have heard the Beatitudes time and time again, you may have never heard them in this way. And maybe the Lord wants to reveal something deeper to you about your own heart. Because every single one of Jesus' teachings were, were to make you be self-analyzing, self self-analytical. They were supposed to make you always viewing inward. Jesus always wanted us viewing what is the condition of our heart. So the first thing Jesus says, what is it? You must be devoid of spiritual arrogance. What does that mean? You must understand that you are not good enough, only Jesus is. You must understand that only Jesus' righteousness is good enough. Your righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. It's all Jesus. And if you come into the place thinking, oh, I've made it, I got this, and you forget the fact that it's only because of Jesus that you were saved, you missed the whole point. So Jesus is laying out, you must come before me with the heart of understanding that you're not good enough. But my sacrifice was. So a heart condition, the heart condition, the idyllic heart condition of a true believer is one that understands only by Jesus am I accepted. Only by the sacrifice on the cross will I inherit the kingdom. So once again, paraphrase, blessed are those who humbly recognize their need for God. He is it. Only he is good enough for they will enter into his kingdom. Only when we only when our heart is placed in this standard can we enter into the kingdom. So blessed are the poor, not, not literally poor, no money, no possessions. Talking about the, the condition of your heart, you understand that you are not good enough. You have no riches of your own. Only by Jesus Christ can we enter the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Paraphrase. Blessed are those who mourn for their sins, for they shall receive forgiveness and eternal life. Do we see that double blessing? When we mourn our sin, when we are truly repentant for our sin, we are forgiven in this life, and then eternal life is given to us in the next. But do we understand eternal life starts here? Listen, if you're a Christian, you're already, do you know you're already eternal? Did you understand? I mean, everyone is eternal. You have a spirit, right? We understand. But as a Christian, you should already understand this. You're already living in your eternal life. It's already started. When, when, when you were regenerated and Jesus Christ, when you accepted the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon the cross and you became a regenerated believer, your eternal life started then. 
You understand, you're storing up treasures for the next life. But it's not even the next life. It's just the true reality. You're, you're going through a time of testing and temptation to store up greater riches for yourself in the time to come. Dude, do we understand that? This is already eternal life. That's why, as a Christian living on the earth today, these, these eight conditions of the heart we're talking about should already be inside of us. And if they're not, we must analyze ourselves and correct what is not already there. So number two, the heart condition of, of, of an ideal citizen of heaven, it mourns over sin. And you understand, we're never going to be fully sanctified upon this earth, but sin should become less and less as we mature in Christ. But the mourning over sin never stops. So, so the ideal heart of a citizen of heaven mourns their sin. And did you know this word mourn in the Greek? Listen, I, I, was, praying, I was planning on getting into the Greek, but you know what? We're, we're not going to get that in depth today because I feel like some of y'all would just be like, we don't do this. Anyways, <laughs> the Greek word used for mourn here is the, is, is the harshest, strongest word in, in the Greek language for mourning. It means that you weep bitterly as if you had lost a spouse. That that's how severe Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, blessed are those who mourn, those who are truly broken over their sin. Those who are truly broken will be comforted. Not those who sin and say, all right, God, I know I messed up. Sorry, my bad. And then you go and do it again. No, you won't be comforted because you'll do it again and again and again. But those who are truly broken over their sin will be comforted with forgiveness here and then eternal life forever and ever with the Father. So number two, the heart mourns over sin. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Paraphrase, blessed are those who submit to God as Lord, for they will inherit everything he possesses. So the ideal heart condition, number three, the heart is meek. And what is meekness? Meekness is power under control. Jesus was the greatest example of meekness we have ever seen on earth. Fully God, fully man could have called down legions of angels at any point to save him, yet he humbled himself enough to die on the cross for our sins. Jesus was the ultimate example of meekness. So what does this mean for, for the believer? You may be the most knowledgeable Christian on the planet. You may have memorized the Bible cover to cover, but you're willing to submit to the Lord and who he's put over you as your pastor. I know some of y'all know the Bible better than me. I know some of y'all know the Bible more than me. A lot of y'all are more advanced in age than me, and you have devoted your life to Christ, and that's beautiful. But many of you are showing meekness in your heart that you are willing to submit yourself to the Lord first and then to a 24-year-old pastor. Amen. And so I know a lot of you in this church, the heart, your heart condition is already meekness. And I think that's beautiful because you are willing. Listen, it takes a very meek, mature adult to submit themselves to a pastor that's almost three, year, three times younger than them. And, I, and I, I hope you know this doesn't go unnoticed. I see the condition of your heart, and it's beautiful. But when a Christian is truly meek in their heart, hey, how many of y'all were here or listened to Pastor Charlie's teaching on Wednesday, as the Lord wills? Did y'all listen to that? If you did not, please go back, because I needed that reminder. I was a little bit stressed and a little bit overwhelmed with some things happening. But it's as the Lord wills in your life. The Lord is sovereign. And he is guiding you and his hand is upon all things. And when we truly understand that, we become meek because you could become, you could be the most spirit-filled believer in the world. And you could lay hands on everyone and they could be healed. But meekness is submitting to who God tells you to. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus, and Jesus is obviously giving this, teach, this teaching for the Pharisees as well, right? Who were not meek whatsoever. The Pharisees lorded their power over everyone around them, right? They were the teachers the best of their day. 
But Jesus is saying, right, blessed are the meek. But listen how beautiful this is. For they shall inherit the earth. So what is he saying? For they will inherit everything he possesses. The meek. Not those who lord their power, not those who lord their position, but those who submit to the Lord in all things. It's the meekness of the heart. Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who passionately long for Christ, for he will satisfy their souls. So what is the heart condition number four of the ideal heart of a citizen of heaven, citizen of the kingdom? Passionately strives to please God in all things. Our heart is constantly pushing us to the things that God is pleased with. We're not seeking our own position. We're not seeking our own desires. We're not seeking our own wants. But the condition of our heart is we are hungry and we are thirsty for righteousness. What is that? The things of God. We hunger and thirst for these things. And you know what's so beautiful about this? He says, blessed are those. Why? Because they shall be filled. You shall be fully satisfied. Your soul shall be satisfied. Where? Here on the earth and in the life to come. So the condition of the heart passionately strives to please God in all things. And do you see how I capitalize all things? Y'all, even in the little things that don't seem important, even in the small parts of our day, the way we answer our spouses, the way we treat our children, the way we, we treat those we are neighbors with, the way we treat those who we work with, it's in the small things, right? So, so when we have the ideal heart of a citizen of heaven, our heart is not striving just to please God on Sunday mornings. It's not just striving to please God when, when the pastor gives us some type of responsibility in the church. It's everything that God has called us to. Every, every time we step out of our door, anytime we even think in our heads, we are striving to please God in all things. Even in the seasons where it's very difficult. Because I know God has promised certain things to this ministry. And he hasn't just spoken them to me, he's spoken them to the other leaders of this house. But we're in a waiting season. So is my heart passionately striving to please God in all things, even in the waiting seasons? In the seasons where you can't feel the momentum, in the seasons where the church isn't packed full of people, am I still striving to please him in all things, even in the waiting seasons? Which y'all know this, waiting is the hardest season to be in. Amen. Dude, do we understand that? Waiting is the hardest season to be in because you can't do anything about it. That's right. Mourning is hard. Mourning a loved one is hard. Mourning is hard. But you can deal with that. It's in front of you. The, the, the great seasons are awesome, right? When everything's going right. Those seasons are great to deal with because it's right in front of you and everything you're doing is prospering. But it's in the seasons where you cannot do anything, right? It's, it's the waiting seasons, the testing seasons where you can literally do anything. What does our heart look like in those seasons? So in the season of this ministry, when y'all, listen, I told you about that one dream I had. I had another dream where this church was filled. And I don't remember dreams. My, I, I'm not that type of person. So when I, when I have a dream that stands out where I remember it clear as day, even now, and that was a week ago, I know it's serious. So I know the Lord has great things for this ministry. But how are we conducting ourselves? What is the condition of our heart in the seasons where it's not fun at all? Where we're miserable in our current situation, how are we living? Are our hearts still passionate to please God in all things? And if they are, what does it say? For they shall be filled. If we remain faithful in the waiting season... If we remain faithful in the hard season, if our heart is so passionately striving to please God in the small things in all seasons, we shall be filled. And those promises of God shall come to pass. Amen. Amen, Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Paraphrase. 
Blessed are those who show mercy through forgiveness, kindness, and compassion, for they shall receive mercy. Y'all, Jesus clearly said throughout all of his teachings, he says, you must first forgive to be forgiven. You must first show mercy to then mercy be received. Number five, merciful, the heart condition is merciful to those who don't deserve it. So what is the definition of mercy? Compassionate or kindly forbearance shown toward an offender, an enemy, or other person. Listen, what's that? What are those last two words? Three words. In one's power. When you have the power, listen, when you have the power such as a boss or an employer, when someone's messed up and you've just, you've just had it, I'm so over this person, and they are in your power to terminate, to get rid of, right, to cast out, you show mercy because of the mercy that's been shown to you. Does that make sense? So mercy is when someone is in your power. You can do whatever you want with this person. You are standing as a judge in this person's life, but you choose to show mercy. The heart condition of an ideal citizen of heaven is to have a merciful heart to those who don't deserve it. We didn't deserve mercy. Jesus died on the cross for us, and we didn't deserve mercy. And I clearly remember scripture saying, freely give as you have freely been given. Y'all, I'm not going to lie. Mercy, I struggle with giving mercy. Why? I mean, I'm harder on myself than anyone else ever could be. And so I'm so hard on myself that I tend to hold people to the same standard I hold myself to. And so for me, when studying the Beatitudes, when studying, because obviously I'm not fully sanctified. Jesus is still working on my heart. Whenever I was praying, Jesus, you know, well, what do I need to correct in my heart before I give this message, right? Because the message is never just for y'all. God is clearly dealing with me before I give it to y'all. And number five, merciful to those who don't deserve mercy, the Holy Spirit. Y'all got goosebumps all over me. The Holy Spirit basically slapped me in the face. And he said, son, you have to be merciful. Because I have not been one to show mercy freely. Freely as I have been given, freely I am to give. And it's beautiful. The heart, number five, the heart condition of an ideal citizen of heaven is merciful to those who don't. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Paraphrase, blessed are those who have been purified from the inside out, being made clean and holy, for they will see God. My uncle Mark and my aunt Michelle talked about how their old youth pastor said, to get closer, you have to be cleaner. So what does this say? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Number six of the ideal heart condition, cleansed from the filth of the world. Once again, we will never be fully sanctified on this earth, but we can become cleaner. Through devotion and discipline to the Father, we can become cleaner. Do we understand that? There's, there's a passive and an active faith. Passive faith is we can do nothing to be saved. God saved us, right? That's the working of the Father. Regeneration is the working of the Father. We can do nothing in that. But active faith is disciplining ourselves to follow the word of God. It's devoting ourselves. It's developing ourselves in the word of God. So there comes the point where we have to take our active faith, put it into practice, and then become cleansed from the filth of the world. You understand a citizen of heaven is not filled with the filth of the world. They've been purified. They've been cleaned. Right? They've been cleansed. They've been made perfect and whole and holy. Who in here wants to experience God on a deeper level? How many of us want to know him on a deeper level? 
How many of us want to see our family members saved and sanctified and Holy Spirit filled? Number six is, that is key for us. We must be cleansed from the filth of the world to show the example to our family members, to our friends. We have to be standing as Jesus stood. Obviously, Jesus was the perfect example of this. But I long to see this in my own life fully. Y'all, and listen, and I even say this. Y'all, it's, it's in the little things. You understand God sees the details. God's, God's not just a big picture God. God's the God of the details. And so he sees every moment of our lives, everything we do, every show we choose to watch, every movie we choose to watch, every song we choose to listen to, every friend we choose to hang out with, every thought we, we think to think, everything we do when we're alone. He sees it all. So I long for the, for the condition of my heart to be one that is cleansed from the filth of the world. That in every decision I make, I am viewing it from this standpoint of being cleansed for the Lord. How beautiful is that? For they shall see God. And as I said before, these blessings aren't just for the time to come. What did he say? That's for now. They shall see God now. You shall experience God now. These blessings, it's literally called the supreme blessedness teachings. Because not only is it blessings for now, it's blessings for the time to come. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ and bring this same message of reconciliation to others. All who have peace with God are his children. Now, let's read that paraphrase again, which, which expounds on the Greek and the Hebrew. Blessed are those, listen, who have been reconciled, those who have, who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, reconciled to the Father, cleansed, made whole, reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And listen, and bring this same message of reconciliation to others. It's our job then to carry this message of reconciliation to others. That is why we formed the, the evangelism team, to carry this message of reconciliation to others, to our neighbors, to the lost. All who have peace with God are his children. So the seventh heart condition out of eight, it makes peace and maintains peace. Makes peace and maintains peace. Now listen, making peace also looks like the way we conduct ourselves with others. Now listen, I know some Christians who constantly live in turmoil in their lives. They don't make peace. They don't seek peace. They actually cause turmoil. They cause trouble. And they don't try to maintain any type of peace. And they don't try to create it. Listen, Paul time and time again said, if at all costs, make peace. Keep peace. Right? Make peace. Maintain peace with your brother. Make peace with the world. Maintain peace with the world. We as Christians are meant to be a people of peace. We're meant to be peacemakers and peace maintainers. If you see a Christian whose life is completely out of whack, you may need to bring them to the Beatitudes. Because Christians, what? Jesus promised a peace that the world cannot take away. Jesus promised an everlasting peace that will maintain for all of time. So we as Christians are meant to be a people who make peace and maintain peace. That's even in your workplace with someone who is just can't get along, can't get along with for nothing. People who are constantly on your toe about everything. We as Christians are meant to be the ones who step out and make peace. And we are meant to be the ones who maintain that peace. You see? Because meekness goes into peacemaking. You may even have the power over that person. You may be more powerful. You may even have the position above that person. But we are meant to have a meek heart that makes peace and maintains peace. Do we see how all these flow together? All these flow together to what? Show Jesus' heart for humanity. And so we are meant to be peacemakers and peace maintainers. And for those of you who are not, we need to look at our hearts and think to ourselves, 
what are we doing that are causing us not to be peacemakers? Causing us not to be peace maintainers in our homes, in our friends, in our families. Whatever is going on, are we being peacemakers? Verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Paraphrase. Blessed are those daring enough to openly live for Christ and suffer persecution, for they will receive the kingdom of heaven. Number eight, what is the heart condition? Resolute to live openly for Christ, even if it's dangerous. Do we see that? And you know we have an example happening in Afghanistan right now, in China right now, in South America right now, from our brothers and sisters in the faith who are going through tribulations, who are going through persecutions. And their hearts are resolute to live openly for Christ, even if it's dangerous. Listen, we in America, we don't really worry about that right now, right? We, we don't worry about being persecuted for our faith. You may get bashed on social media, but that's not persecution. We haven't faced any tribulations for our faith. We can still, and listen, the government being a little more harsh in the gathering of churches is not persecution because of COVID. Y'all, we have not experienced persecution. You understand that? But we, as Christians in the year 2021, seeing as the day draws near, as Scripture says, seeing as the day draws near, where we clearly see where Christians are persecuted, Christians go through a time of tribulation, where we clearly see these things, we must become resolute in our own hearts to live openly for Christ, even if it becomes dangerous. Even if it is harmful to our well-being, we are resolute in our hearts to live for Christ, to proclaim the name of Christ, to stand for Christ, no matter what our situation is. Blessed are you, verse 11, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. This is carrying on from the last, the last one. Don't worry, we're going to go through the Beatitudes again real quick. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you, falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Listen, the time is coming, time is coming when this could happen to us. It's not too far-fetched to think that this could happen. And like I keep telling y'all, look at legislation. Y'all, do any of you read the legislation that's being passed or being pushed? Y'all, it's all over the internet. If you want to know something, pull up the internet. Literally, legislation is being passed to get rid of freedom of speech. Do you know how offensive this book is to the world? Do you know how mad this book has made people for thousands of years? What do you think is going to be one of the first forms of literature to get rid of? The Bible. We... Do you understand if you look through history and you look how through the Chinese government systematically destroyed everything of Christianity in that country, it started with legislation. They got the Bible banned first and the church followed. So if this were to happen to us, are our hearts ready? Are our hearts ready? Are our hearts ready? Because you understand all eight, all eight of these heart conditions form the heart that's ready to go through this type of tribulation. This type of persecution. So if you understand Jesus, you understand that all his teachings flowed together perfectly. He was the ultimate rabbi, the ultimate teacher. Nothing he ever said comes from the ground void. So when he makes these points, we have to understand what was Jesus saying. Jesus was saying the ideal heart condition of a citizen of heaven is one that can endure tribulation and persecution and stay faithful. Stay committed. Stay devoted. That's why I preached a couple weeks ago on enduring and engaging in times of persecution and tribulation. And perilous times. Jesus was pointing to something. Jesus clearly laid out what the ideal heart of a citizen of the kingdom of God looks like. What does your heart look like? Analyze yourself. Think to yourself. What does your heart look like? 
If you were to see Jesus face to face in this moment, be honest with yourself. If Jesus were to come back in this moment, right now as I'm talking, and Jesus were to pause time, as obviously he could do if he wanted to, and Pastor Charlie, he looked you in your eyes, and he pulled up my PowerPoint, and he said, I taught this. These eight, these eight heart conditions, what does your heart look like? Would you genuinely be able to answer him to his face, the king of glory, that you can hide nothing from? You understand, he sees your heart. What does scripture clearly say? God does not look at the outside appearance of a man, but he looks at the heart. If the king of glory, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords were to pause time, give you a revelation as he gave to Paul on the road to Damascus, to pause and Bethany look you in the face and say, what does your heart look like? Would you genuinely be able to say, King Jesus, my heart looks just like what you told them to look like in the Beatitudes? Could we genuinely answer to his face? So let's, let's look at them one more time. This is the ideal part of a citizen of the kingdom of God. Number one, it is devoid of spiritual arrogance. It does, it's not haughty. It's not prideful. It's teachable. It's willing to learn. But also it understands that it is completely nothing without Jesus Christ. It's completely worthless without Jesus. Number two, it mourns over sin. Even the smallest of sin that you may not even thought about in the moment but came back to realize that you did. You mourn and you repent and you turn from that sin. It is meek towards everyone it deals with in all situations. It submits itself to the Lord even when it's uncomfortable in doing so. Number four, it passionately strives to please God in all things. Even in the minute details of life, it strives to please him. Number five, it's merciful to those who do not deserve it because you do not deserve it. And freely as you were given, freely you give. Number six, it is cleansed from the filth of the world. We do our best, first off, to obviously let passive faith have its work in our lives of sanctification, regeneration. But then we walk in active faith of, of developing our faith, of disciplining our faith, and of becoming more devoted to the word. We cleanse ourselves from the filth of the world to be closer to him. Number seven, we make peace and we maintain peace. Even when someone's done you wrong, even when someone's stabbed you in the back, even when someone's talked behind your back, you make peace in that situation, and then you maintain peace with that unpeaceable person. And number eight, we are resolute to live openly for Christ, even if it's dangerous. And I'll say this, and I'll say this probably to the day I die or until Jesus comes back. A day and age is coming when you will experience persecution for your faith. And as we see the day drawing near, what does our heart look like. Pastor Charlie, will you guys get up there and do William of it all one more time for us? What does your heart look like? And I put this before you again. If the king of glory were to come before you and look you face to face, you, you are in your time of prayer. You are in your devotional time in the morning or the afternoon. And he gives you a revelation. He takes you up into the spirit as he did John in the book of Revelation. And he asks you to your face, son, daughter, what does your heart look like? What would you be able to say? Two out of eight? Three out of eight? One out of eight? What would you be willing to even confess to him, even though he knows it all? Would you be ashamed of the condition of your heart? Would you be ashamed? Would you be saddened that the king of glory would take his time to be with you, but you didn't have a heart worthy of him? So as we go into this time of worship, before we close service, the song worthy of it all, I want us to analyze our hearts. 
And I want us to look at the unclean parts of our hearts that don't fit into the category of the Beatitudes. Who in here wants to be blessed? Who in here, who doesn't want to be blessed? I want to be blessed. I want to see you blessed. But we must live according to the teachings of our Lord and Savior to be pleasing to him. And when we do, we will be blessed in this life and then continued on into eternity. So I want us to stand and worship, analyze yourself, repent of what you need to repent, and then give God glory for what he's done for you.
God, we just want to thank you for this service today, Father God. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing, Father. Father, we thank you for that Beatitudes message today. <clears throat> I'm reminded when he was speaking about the Beatitudes, when I was probably seven or eight, maybe nine years old, uh, we were in vacation Bible school, and they had a competition between the boys and the girls. Who could remember that? The Beatitudes the fastest. And ever who won got the trophy. Well, I was competitive, and so I just try to memorize it just so I can get the trophy. And I think somewhere in some box, somewhere, that, there's that trophy. But I still couldn't remember them. I didn't know what the Beatitudes meant. I just wanted to memorize it because there was a trophy at the end. But the message our pastor speak, spoke today about the Beatitudes and how he opened it up. Now I'll remember it, brother. I appreciate that. Because he said something about waiting. You know, in that same dream he had, <clears throat> I've been thinking about this so long, and we were actually talking about it in the men's group, and I, was, and I was talking about it to Michelle as well, and I'm just thinking about it over and over. And he said, you know, in that dream, he saw this church packed out. And I've been feeling that in my spirit for a long time. And I keep seeing it. And for those who know, know me, I'm a big football fan. And I've even joking with Michelle. I said, you know what? I said, this is what we need to do. I said, I was watching. I flipped on my phone this morning, and I saw that uh, Penn State and Auburn was playing last night. And uh, they had the whiteout night. And the whiteout night has 110,000 people at the game when they have a whiteout night. 110,000 people, elbow to elbow, screaming and yelling at the top of their lungs, 110,000 people. 110,000 people, folks, for a football game that lasts 60 minutes. And I love football. Don't get me wrong. But when 110,000 people can shout at the top of their lungs, and not, there ain't a mention of a COVID going on, I told Michelle, I said, you know what we need to do? We need to cut these lights on in here, put up some bleachers, put a 50-yard line in the middle, and we all sit here in the middle and just say we're having a game for God. And by God, we'll fire the band, and all of a sudden, this place packed out. Because if, he don't, if COVID doesn't exist there, then he don't exist here. And you know what burns me up? Because I'm an I'm a easygoing person. I really am. A lot of people call me just a big old teddy bear, and he probably knows him better than anybody. I'm just a big old teddy bear. But there's a point in my life when a switch flips, and when that switch flips, watch out. And let's get to that point where that switch is about to flip. Because I know, I know what is about to happen, and the world is getting so, they're getting so angry with it because they know what God's about to do. God's about to bust this circle wide open. I'm telling you. And the only thing the devil's got to do is say, um... Let's shut the church down because of COVID again. Let's, let's shut it down because of COVID. That's his, only, that's his only defense at this point now. And it's starting to burn me up because I know that this church is right on the brink of busting open. I know that the Church of America is right on the brink of bursting open. And when that happens, every, every demon in hell is going to run because they're like, I don't know what else to do. So church, I encourage you at this point, we got to pray harder than ever. We got to seek God more than ever before. And our, my pastor, he said this before, it's how you wait determines how long you wait. 
how you wait determines how long you wait. So if we wait just angry, or do we wait seeking God's face? Because I, I could get angry about it, but instead I want to seek God's face about it for wisdom. I could get really ticked off about it, but instead I want to seek God's face for wisdom and understanding. Because I want to see this, I want to see us open these doors up. I want to see these bleachers, I want to see these suckers wide open. I want to see the, the balconies being filled up. I want to see people standing outside. I want to see us running down to the altar because we ain't got no room and kids sitting down on the altar because there ain't no room to sit because of what God is doing. So church, is how we wait determines how long we wait. So I encourage us, keep praying. Keep seeking God's face. Keep seeking for more of Him and less of us. Seek for Him and less of us. I got, like I said this morning, a prayer. And I believe this firmly. God is still in control. God is still on the throne. He is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that ain't stopped and it ain't going to stop. He is still on the throne. So church, let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for what you're doing in this house, Father God. I know what it looks like right now to the physical eye and to the spiritual eye. I know what you're about to do, Father God. So God, we thank you in advance for what's going on. We thank you in advance for the doors being opened wide. We thank you in advance for the people coming in. And Father, we're going to wait, Father God, because we know that you're in control. And Father, we pray and ask today, Father God, that your spirit will continue to flow through this church mightily. That you will continue to use this house for your good. That you will continue to use the people of this house for your good. So Father God, I pray and ask that each and every person under the sound of my voice in the church and on the medium. Father, I pray and ask you will bless them today, Father God. Encourage them, O oh Lord. I pray and ask you will give them the strength that when they're walking, they pray. When they're by themselves, they pray. They pray in the spirit. They ask for wisdom for you. They ask for wisdom and understanding from you, Father God. They ask for strength from you, Father God. Father, I pray and ask that each and every person under the sound of my voice that you will bless them indeed, Father God. Father, I pray and ask your blessing from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. I pray and ask that no demon in hell will ever stop them. And every demon in hell, when they see them, they shall flee. Because Jesus Christ is resonating through them. So God, I pray and ask today that today, today, this day, Father God, when we walk out this door, we shall be a blessed church. That people will see, I don't know what's going on with you, but wherever you're at, I want to be a part of it. So God, I pray and ask today, bless us indeed, enlarge our territories, Father God. Keep your hedge of protection about this house, this church. Keep us from evil that it harm us not, Father God. And let everything that we do give you glory, praise, and honor because you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You died on the cross for my sins so that I may be free, Father God. You died on the cross for every person under the sound of my voice so that we shall be free and we shall do what you intended us to do which is praise and glorify your name. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. We are dismissing according to COVID protocols, I believe, so we'll be dis dismissing by row as we should. Pastor Betty, is there food over in the activity center? Pastor Betty has food over in the activity center, and you guys go over there and be blessed by that. We love you guys. I'm so happy to see y'all in person today. Maranatha, come our Lord. Let that be the cry of our heart as we become more pleasing to him. I love you guys. Y'all have a fantastic week.